Without an education on money, for the most part, a lot of us are just financially illiterate, and what happens is we get taken advantage of. The biggest myth out there is that if I made more money, I'd be rich. Coming up, Ariane talks with best-selling author and financial expert David Bach, next on Change Nation from the first 30 days. I'm the founder and CEO of The First 30 Days. Today, I'm very excited to be speaking with financial planning genius David Bach. He's the founder and chairman of Finish Rich Media, a company dedicated to helping people learn about money. He's authored seven national bestsellers, including two consecutive number one New York Times bestsellers, Start Late, Finish Rich, and The Automatic Millionaire. His Finish Rich series has been published in over 15 languages, and more than 5 million copies are in print worldwide. He's here today to share his wisdom about making more money. David, welcome to the first 30 days, and for sharing some of your tips, wisdom, about the first 30 days of making more money. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I can't imagine there's anyone out there that's listening to this that doesn't want to make more money or hasn't thought about making more money. I guess my my first question is, why is it that we are all nervous about money, uncomfortable talking about money, or, or even just handling our finances when we know that we should? I can answer that question really simply. The truth is that most of us are not taught about money when we grow up. So when we go to school, we learn all the lessons that we're supposed to learn. We learn how to read and we learn how to write and we take science classes and we learn about history. But really, unless you got lucky and you had a special teacher that just had an interest in money, most kids today are not taught, certainly in grammar school, anything about money. And you can actually go all the way through high school um, or university in many cases and really not get any education around personal finance. And so... What happens is unless you've got a parent that, that taught you or a grandparent, like in my case, my grandmother was my first mentor when, when it came to money. She helped me buy my first stock at age seven, and I'll tell you that story later. But you know, I, had, I had a grandmother that taught me about money, and I had a father that was a financial advisor who started taking me to his investment classes at nine. So I was lucky. I happened to have a family that taught me. But most, most people aren't lucky like myself, and they're not taught in school. They're not taught by their parents. And in many cases, they just inherit, uh, inherit the bad habits that they've seen their parents have. So without an education on money, for the most part, a lot of us are just financially illiterate. And what happens is, quite frankly, is we get taken advantage of. You know, the corporations out there know how to separate us from our wealth, and the system is really set up to keep most people poor. I mean, the system is set up to keep you working paycheck to paycheck. And between taxes and corporate America, unless you have a plan to keep your money, chances are you'll be like most people. And and most people live paycheck to paycheck. 70% of Americans right now are living paycheck to paycheck. So it's really a war for your wallet. And a big part of it is learning how to you know, win the battle. Or as I always say, it's really a game and you just simply need to know the rules and know how to play. So David, what what are the excuses that I'm sure you've heard over and over and over again that I kind of want to bust up front before we get into some of the tools and strategies that people make up or just stop people from actually having the money that they want? You started by asking me or saying really that most people want to make more money. And I think the biggest myth out there is that if I made more money, I'd be rich. If I made more money, then I could finally get out of debt. If I made more money, then I'd finally start saving. If I made more money, I could stop renting and buy a home. 
And it's this idea that the reason you can't achieve financial security is that you simply don't make enough money. And what, what we've seen, and, we, and this is across all income levels, is that typically as people make more money, they simply spend more money. So I, you know, when I go out and I speak to large audiences, and we'll have three, four, five, sometimes 10,000 people in the room, I'll often ask a question, which is how many of you are making more money today than you were 10 years ago? And in most cases, almost every hand will go up in the room. I'll say, well, how many of you are saving more money now than you were 10 years ago? And, and the hands will start to come down quickly. Because what happens is as we make more money, we simply grow our lifestyle to meet what we're making. So the first thing I teach people is a concept I call the latte factor. The latte factor is this metaphor that I, I get made fun of now because I talked, I've talked about it for almost 15 years, and I've, I've done shows on it with Oprah, and I've been on The View with Barbara Walters and CNN and CNBC. Everywhere I go, I've talked about the latte factor, and people think I'm the guy that's trying to take away your coffee, but I'm not. It's just a metaphor. What I teach people is that we spend money today on little things that we don't even think about. We'll go into Starbucks and we'll spend today. It used to be three fifty. Today you go into Starbucks, you're not getting out of there for less than five bucks. You have a coffee and a biscotti or a muffin, you have easily just spent five dollars. And millions of us go into Starbucks every day and we spend five dollars today without even thinking about it. It's just brown water. We're in, we're out, and there was five dollars. Well, five dollars a day is 150 bucks a month, and that adds up to nearly two thousand dollars a year. That's more money than the average American is saving. And again, it's not about the lattes. That's a metaphor. What I try to teach people is to look for where are you spending small amounts of money today on those little things, the lattes, the bottled water, cigarettes, whatever it is that's small. If you can find 5 to $10 a day, the average person who is listening right now could get themselves out of debt and could get themselves on what I call a automatic millionaire plan for wealth. It doesn't take a lot of money. It's finding that 5 to $10 a day. It's starting there. The automatic millionaire plan, I know it's easy and quick. Does it apply to anyone, old, young, anyone can get on it? You know, it really does. The Automatic Millionaire is a book. It was my fifth book, actually. A lot of people think it was my first book, but it was my fifth book. And I put that book out. It came out in January of 2004. We actually had the very, very lucky and very, very blessed. We were able to launch that book on Oprah. And it was January of the new year, and we came out with a mission to teach 10 million Americans three simple things that they could do to change their life financially. And, and I'm still teaching it, and I, I can share with you and I can share with anybody who's listening right now that it is very easy to build financial security. What I'm about to tell you can change your life and put you on the road to financial security. If you do it long enough and if you start young enough, you can be, easily become a millionaire. It is incredibly simple. There's just one thing that you have to do if you want to have financial security for life, and it comes down to three words. And those three words are you have to pay yourself first. Paying yourself first comes down to the simple idea that when you earn income, the first person who gets paid is you. But most people, when they talk about being paid first, they don't understand what it actually means to be paid first. So here's what it means. It means that when you earn money, when you earn a paycheck or when you have your own business, the first person we normally pay is the government. The government sets the system up to be paid first. What I've been teaching people is that usually you go to work from 9 until about 12.30 to pay taxes and that there's only one legal way to avoid working half the day to pay taxes, and that only legal way is to pay yourself first automatically, like the government does, into a tax-deductible retirement account. And those would include in the U.S. 401K plans, IRA accounts, self-employed retirement accounts. The secret to make those plans work is you have to take one hour a day of your income 
have the money moved automatically from your paycheck before you can touch it right into that retirement account, that's how you pay yourself first. And the real key, again, is it has to be automatic. If you have to write a check or go down to the bank and put the money away, we've seen that people simply won't do it. But when they save automatically, that one simple thing can help you build wealth for life. One of the things that I've heard consistently from people who are committed to handling their finances, want to make more money, is there's just too much information out there, too much choice, and they go into sort of this state of paralysis. How is a regular, average, normal person supposed to make sense of all the information being thrown at them? Well, you're so right. There, there is too much information. So the first thing I tell people is it's really simple. Are you paying yourself first one hour a day of your income? If you're not, that's where you start. Most people, they go, what do you mean an hour a day of my income? What do you earn per hour at your job? If you're self-employed, what do you earn? Basically, when you break out your hours, you should be taking a minimum 10% of your gross income should be going right off the top into a deductible savings account. Here's the second thing you do. You have to buy real estate. And the first piece of real estate you have to buy is a home. So if you're listening and you're renting, I can tell you, you have virtually no potential of being wealthy in this country if you are a renter. When you look at the statistics on wealth, the average homeowner in the US right now is 34 times wealthier than a renter. The average renter has a net worth of less than $5,000, and today the average homeowner's net worth is approaching $170,000. And that's just in the U.S. When you go abroad, we see in many countries, uh, homeowners are 50, 60, 70, 80 times wealthier than those who don't own a home. So I think when you, when you, if you're listening to me and you just go, okay, look, I, I'm not trying to be a millionaire overnight. Just tell me what I need to do to be financially secure, to not have to worry about being dependent on Social Security, to not have to worry about being dependent on a pension plan. You have to pay yourself first, and you have to own real estate. And I wrote a book that came out about a year and a half ago called The Automatic Millionaire Homeowner that teaches you how to buy your first home and then leverage that first home into ultimately investment properties. Because the simplest thing I can share with you is this. If you buy three homes over your lifetime, rent two of them, and keep the third, live in the third, you'll really, really never have to worry about money. You'll be a multimillionaire, and you'll really, really never have to worry about money. What most people do is they buy a home, live in it for a while, have a bigger family, or decide they have bigger needs, sell the small home, buy a bigger home, increase their mortgage, and then they're always on this rat race of having to have bigger payments. My suggestion is you buy a home, live in it, pay it down, rent it, buy another home of equal size, live in it, pay it down, rent it, then buy your third home, and enjoy your third home. You've got two renters that will pay your other two properties off. David, what about investing? Any specific tips for someone who's getting started with that, who's wanted to, but again, they're paralyzed by where to start, what to do, how would you how would you guide them through the first 30 days? Well, here's what I would tell you. The first thing, when you go and you look at your 401k plan, let's say you work for a company right now and you have a 401k plan. So I've, I've hit you over the head now for all this time about paying yourself first and signing up for it. Second thing is where are you going to put the money? The 401k plans today are offering what's called target-dated mutual funds. These are also known as asset allocation funds. They are funds that divide your money between stocks, bonds, money markets, real estates, global investments, and they break it all down for you. It's automatically managed and it's automatically rebalanced. Managing money is a full-time complicated job unless you make it easy for yourself. So these target dated mutual funds have due dates. They come due, for instance, in 2010 or 2020 or 2030, and they're designed for you to look at 
how many years away are you from retirement? So let's say it's, we're sitting here, it's 2007, and I'm 40 years old, and I'm not retiring for 20 years. I would be looking at a fund that's maybe coming due in 2030. And I'd pick the, what's called a target-dated fund, and it might literally say, you know, Fidelity, target-dated 2030. And that's the fund I would use to put my money in my 401k plan. So go and pull out your 401k statements, your retirement account statements, and see if your employer is offering these new type of funds. And it makes it really, really simple. What we're seeing is people who invest in these automatic investment mutual funds like this are getting much better returns, and they're doing better with their money. If you don't have a fund like that in your 401k plan, and maybe you've opened up an IRA account, Go back to your bank or your brokerage firm and ask them if they have target-dated mutual funds. Um, there are just some phenomenal funds out there that have you know, 10, 15, 20-year track records that have averaged returns of over 10% a year, and these are boring mutual funds. So that's a really simple way to start. David, when people think about their future, is there anything else that they absolutely must do and must take care of to have that financial security? Well, I will say this to you, you know, because we are talking about the first 30 days. If I was to come into your life and help you fix your finances in 30 days, one of the things, there's a handful of things I would do. I would get you to pay yourself first. If you had a home, I'd have you look at doing a biweekly mortgage. Very, very simple. If you do a biweekly mortgage, you go from paying one payment a month to paying half of that payment every two weeks. So let's say you spend $1,000 a month right now on your mortgage. If you split that in half and you went $500 every two weeks, you would pay a 30-year mortgage off in 23 years. The average person who listens to this would save over $50,000 in interest payments by just making that one change. So I'd have you call, you know, call your bank, see if they offer a biweekly mortgage payment plan. The many banks today um, are offering this for no cost. And again, what makes it easy is they'll take the money out of your checking account every two weeks for you automatically to pay your mortgage so you'll never have late payments and you get out of debt sooner. Another thing I would have you do is I'd have you really track where your money is going. So, you know, in the first 30 days, one of the biggest things you can do is really figure out where are you spending money. I challenge people to find their latte factor. So if they go to our website at finishrich.com, we have a latte factor calculator. They can plug in the amount of money they can save daily. They can plug in how many years out they want to save the money for, and it will give you a calculation of what you could potentially have. We've also created a tool on our website which will help you track all of your expenses automatically. So we've got a brand new tool out. It's called the Automatic Money Manager. And I would suggest you go to automaticmoneymanager.com or go to finishrich.com, and you can take a free tour of this, tour of this tool, and you can actually try it for 30 days. And what it will do is help you track where all your money is going automatically. Because if you don't know where your money is going, it's very hard to create an investment plan. So whether you use a tool like the one we've put on our online or you simply carry around a little pad of paper and track where, all, where you're spending all your money, either one of those, you know, the key is to know where's the money going. Are there new ways out there that people can make money? I know that you are also looking at green market and the green environment. Is that something that people should take a look at seriously now? Absolutely. And, and, and before I just talk about the green investing, let me throw one more thing out. People often ask me, you know, how much money should I have in stocks or how much money should I have in bonds? I'll give you the, a really simple strategy. It's called the perfect pie approach. Take a look at all of your investable assets, whatever you have. One-third goes in real estate, one-third goes in stocks, 
and one-third should go on guaranteed investments. You could take somebody who has $100 million, or you could take somebody who's got $1,000. It's still the right approach. The way you don't lose money is you never bet too much on anything. And a third real estate, a third guaranteed investment, and a third stocks protects you from getting hurt financially. And most importantly, something's always going up. A year like this year, the stock market's doing well, but the real estate market's slowing down. And then you've always got your guaranteed investments. So in that stock component, one of the things that I am looking at, well, there's really two things. First of all, I invest almost exclusively now in exchange-traded mutual funds. So I'm using index-based mutual funds, what are called ETFs. It's the lowest cost way to invest. ETFs are 90% less expensive than a typical mutual fund. They're more tax efficient, um, and they're phenomenal. It's just a great way for the average investor to invest. And in the sector of, you know, when I look at opportunities, I think one of the biggest opportunities we're going to see to make a lot of money um, in the stock market in the next 10 to 15 years is going to be in green investing. Um, you know, as you know, I'm, I'm working on a whole new book and a whole new mission to teach the world how to go green because what I've seen is that by going green, not only can we protect the planet, but we can actually save money, that you can save money by going green, by protecting the planet. And what I'm seeing is I've been studying this, and I really spent the last year studying all the opportunities in the green space, is that there's just an enormous amount of money that's now being made in going green, that companies that are making a conscious effort to do right by the planet are actually becoming extremely profitable. They're, they're making more money as a result of going green, and that the companies that are helping other companies go green are, are also making a lot of money. So I think the green space, if you will, which is a new space, although it's been around for 25 years, I think it is, a, it is similar to what we saw with technology in the 80s and the 90s, where technology became a sector in itself, and if you invested in technology in the 80s and 90s, you made a fortune. Um, the green space now is really becoming a sector in itself. It's in the very beginning stages of a sector, but it is something that I will be putting personally be putting money into um, because I just see so much opportunity there. David, are there already some green ETFs that have been established? There really aren't. We haven't seen yet green, if you will, indexes. There are socially responsible funds. We're starting to see money go into private equity, hedge funds in the green space. There are some green funds coming out. I'm not yet recommending any individual green funds because, quite frankly, I haven't completed my due diligence on them yet. Um, but I will tell you this. I promise you that when I come out and recommend a green ETF or a green fund, you will be the first person I share with so that you can tell all your people on your website. David, what keeps some people on track and what makes some people just kind of give up in the first 15 days? And they're just like, this is too hard, I just can't do it. People try to do too much too fast. So it's like going to the gym. A lot of times you'll take somebody who's never worked out uh, or hasn't worked out let's say in a year, and it's the new year and they decide, okay, I'm joining the gym, and then they go into the gym and they work out for two hours the first day. They get themselves so sore they can't walk for a week afterwards. Maybe you haven't run in a year, and then you go out and you try and run three miles, and, you, and, and then you can't walk for two weeks. So people do the same thing when it comes to their money. And what I've seen is that the real key to being successful financially is to do it in baby steps. So for some people, when I say, can you, you know, save an hour a day of your income, if you do the math on it, it's 12.5% of your gross income. Now, for some people listening right now, that absolutely blows their mind away. I mean, they'll, they'll look at letters and emails, how dare you tell me to save that much of my income? Do you realize how impossible that is? So my response is, 
then don't. Then save 1% of your income. I've never met anybody who can look me in the eye and tell me they can't save 1% of their income. So save 1% of your income this month. So this month, sign up for your 401k plan. Just get signed up and sign up for 1% of your income. Now, here's what will happen. When you get your next two paychecks, you will not even notice it. So you save 1% of your income. And then another 90 days from now, increase it. Go from 1% to 2%. And for some people, literally how I've seen people go from saving nothing to 20% of their income in two years by just increasing it 1% a month. When you meet people, can you, can you already tell if they're going to be rich and if they will be able to make money just by a general sense of personality and values? You know, it's not, I don't believe it has personality and values have anything to do with being wealthy. I, what, I, what I know is I can tell in three minutes by asking five questions if you're going to be rich. Five questions in three minutes with 90% certainty I'll know somebody's going to be wealthy. And, and I can give them to you really quickly if you want. Sure, and, go ahead. Um, and I do these in speeches all the time, and, and I, I do this on television and radio, but I'll give you really quickly the five questions. It's really simple. Question number one is, do you want to be rich? And most people will say yes, but then my question behind that is why. So you have to – I've seen that people will do more for – it can't just be about stuff. If someone says to me, I want to be rich because I want a new car or I want a new house or, you know, whatever the stuff is, that's usually not enough to keep somebody focused on becoming wealthy. It has to be about something that is spiritually bigger than just stuff. If it's, I want to make a difference in the world, I want to help my family, I want to provide a better life for my children than, than I was able to have. If it's bigger than stuff, people will fall through the difficult times. So first question is, do you want to be rich? Why? Second question, do you pay yourself first? I, I, unless you're planning on inheriting money, or marrying money or divorcing for money. I've seen, I haven't seen really too many other ways to become wealthy than simply pay yourself first. So question two is, do you pay yourself first? Question three is, do you know what your latte factor is? Because you have to find your money in order to save your money. Question number four is, do you own real estate or do you rent? You can't be wealthy if you rent. You have to own real estate. The more you own, the wealthier you'll become. And question number five is, do you give back? And that one throws a lot of people for the loop. They say, well, do I have to give back to be wealthy? And you know what? The truth is you probably don't. If you just paid yourself first and bought real estate and invested automatically, you could become wealthy. But what I've seen firsthand is that people who give back become wealthier, both spiritually and financially. Because what I've seen is there's a huge connection between wealth and health. They go together. They intersect. And so those who give back tend to grow more and do more. And so I always end by talking about do you give back? Because I really, even though my books have all been focused on finishing rich, they're really focused on living rich. And what I've seen is that you can live a rich life instantly. You don't have to have a lot of money to, to, live, to live richly. And one of the fastest things you can do to feel more abundant is to give back. It doesn't always have to be money either. It can be time. And so what I've seen is that people who give back grow inside. And by growing inside, it allows them to stretch, to make these decisions, to do these the other four things. So those five questions, you know, I can, again, I just took longer than three minutes to ask them. But those are the questions. And, and the reason I always use questions to try to reach people is I don't have the answers. You, I, I have the questions. You have to come up with the answer yourself. Yeah, not, you know, not everybody wants to do these things. Um, but my, my whole thing is we're only going through this journey once as far as I know. <laughs> I got one ticket to life here, 
and I want to use it to the, you know, I want to use it versus lose it, and I want to use it to the maximum ability possible. And I just, I'm out there trying to inspire people to really live a full life, to live a rich life. David, I have one question I'm just curious about. You, you've written many bestsellers. You've impacted millions. You will continue to do so. You're super pumped, excited, motivated. I've met you personally. I'm hearing this now as well. What, what keeps you motivated? What drives you? Like, why? What's your why? The thing that has always driven me is I've been driven to make a difference. So, you know, one of my highest values is making a difference, honestly. And I, I realized at a, at a relatively young age, in my early 20s, that I wasn't good at very many things, but the one thing I was really good at was motivating and coaching other people. And what I was really passionate about was money, was, fin- was finance, because I had grown up around it. And so as I started teaching people um, how to be smarter with their money, what I learned as a result of that is that it wasn't the money. I learned that what happened when I started freeing people financially is they started tapping into their God-given gifts, that we've all been, we've all been blessed with a gift, and that the hardest thing for most people is to use that gift because most people get stuck in, in really the struggles of day-to-day life. They get stuck living paycheck to paycheck. They get stuck with financial burdens that they can't handle. And so I think, you know, really my purpose being on this planet is to try to free people so that they can go use their God-given gifts. And so that's still what juices me. David, one of the things we do with all of our experts is right at the end we ask them some just very interesting, what we call our signature first 30-day questions. And they're all about change, and they're change in general. They're not about your specific area of expertise. So the first one is, what is the belief that you personally go to during times of change? Wow. What is the, uh, help me understand the question. What does that mean? What is the, the belief? Is when something changes in your life, whether it's personally, professionally, financially, in a good way, in a bad way, what is the belief that keeps you grounded, that keeps you in your center and that doesn't throw you completely off? Like w- when something changes in life, what do you believe? I guess what I really believe at, at, at my core is that change is good. So I think that change is good and that change can be great. And, you know, so often when life is going well, we want it to just stay the same way. But the truth is that, and you'll hear this, I'm sure, from so many people who you interview, that usually the, the most transformational experiences they've had have been a result of something really negative. You know, that they go through something really, really difficult, which forces huge change on them. And through that changing, through that, that difficult time is when they grow the most. And so when I go through something that involves change, I, I try to remember that change is good. And, you know, I'm such a believer that when you close one door, a window opens, as they say. I don't know. Is that the right phrase? When you close a window, a door opens? I really believe that. And, and I'll tell you, the big, one of the biggest changes I made in my life um, was when I left Morgan Stanley and I moved from California, and I walked away from a job where, really, a career where I was set. I was the senior vice president at Morgan Stanley. I had over, my family, we had over $500 million under management. Um, I was earning a million dollars a year in income. I mean, I really, I had worked my tail off for nine years, and I, I made a complete change. I moved from the Bay Area where I, all my family and all my friends were, and my really nice, finally a comfortable life after I worked so hard, to move to New York where I knew nobody. I had one friend in New York City when I landed so that I could start a business 
not knowing if I could make any money so I could just go focus on teaching people about money. Um, and that was a huge radical change. And I remember what finally led me to make it was this epiphany that I had. It really came back to my grandmother. My grandmother once said to me, David, you can't, you, you can, she said, you can't get from first base to second base with your foot on first base. And, and her point was a lot of times you got to let go of something. You have to change to go to the next step. And I remember thinking that I had written two books while I was at Morgan Stanley. I had written Smart Women Finish Rich, and I had written Smart Couples Finish Rich. And I remember thinking, well, Grandma, you're wrong. I made it all the way to second base with my foot on first. But I had stretched so much that it was clear I couldn't get to third base without making a major change. And that was I had to let go of something. I had to let go of what I'd had. A lot of times we want to change, and we want to keep all of the – we want to hold on to the past. And sometimes you just can't. You gotta take the leap, not knowing if there'll be anything there for you to land on. Um, but that's where all the juice of life comes from. I think you've answered all the rest of my questions. The best thing about change is uh, it's life. It's the juice of life. And the best change you've ever made is leaving Morgan Stanley. I, I honestly, I think the best change I ever made in my life, the most single impactful thing that I did in my life was that, and that was the most difficult decision, was to leave Morgan Stanley, stop being a financial advisor and truly go for my dream, which was to just go and write books and teach full-time. Um, and I am kind of my grateful. But believe me, I was scared, you know, and, and, and it took me a solid two years to make the decision, um, and probably even longer than that. And they say that when someone's going to go through a major life decision, they spend two to five years contemplating it before they do it. Um, and, as I've, you know, and I've had a handful of major decisions I've made in my life, and I will tell you, that now looking back, you know, with my 40 years of wisdom, right, I don't know if that's so much time, but now that I'm 40 and I can look back at my 20s and my 30s, um, if I knew now what I knew then, I would have made the decisions faster because most people will tell you whatever the decision is, whether it's to get divorced or start a business or quit a job, that once you make the decision, it's always so much better than you ever would have imagined. And it's the hardest part is just to decide. So often when you want to make a change, the reality is the world doesn't come up and embrace you and, and cheer you on. They tell you that, you know, you're crazy. Why, why change? Why, there's nothing wrong with your life the way it is. And so much of that is them not wanting you to change because they feel that they fear that if you change, they'll lose you. When you are living your life's passion and your God-given talents, you tend to attract other people like that. The beauty of the world is that there's no scarcity. It's all abundance. And so often we're raised to believe that life is a zero-sum game. If I win, you lose. Um, and it's just not the way the world works. There's just no, there's just, you can't run out of stuff. There's just, there's just an unlimited world of opportunity out there. From people to, to business, everything, it's all out there just waiting for you to go get it. David, thank you so much. I'm so grateful, A, that you are in my life, that you have been there for me up until this point, and I'm incredibly grateful for your time, the wisdom, the tips, everything you've shared to on this interview, and I know that we'll continue to do some great things with you, and we will send people to you and get your books promoted and website and make sure that people know just the resource that you are and, and the work and the commitment and just your heart's in such a good place, but you have the skills also to take people to where they want to be. Well, it's such, you know, it's, it's a pleasure and honor to be on the call with you and to call you a friend. And um, I, I send you a big hug and a kiss through the phone. And you are officially, I'm putting on record, you are officially invited to come over to my offices. Thank right? you. So you're coming over okay. for a visit. We'll have tea. I'll accept. All right. Be well. Be I'll kiss, talk David. to you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We've been speaking with best-selling author David Bach. 
founder and chairman of Finnish Rich Media. I'm Ariane. Thanks for listening today. And for more interesting and inspiring interviews, please visit us on our website at first30days.com. Thank you.